Welcome to the second episode in a series of podcasts and conversations with Baobab College. Today we have an exciting forum, an exciting subject, where we've come together to talk about the well-being and mental health in schools, in homes, and in our societies. Amongst our exciting audience, we have Medland Hospital, Renaissance Centre, Extend Care, SES, Kabelenga Family Hospital, UTH Associate, our parents, friends and staff from Baobab College. Welcome. Thank you, Chana, and a warm welcome to all of you. I know you've got busy schedules. So I'm Laura, um, Head of Pastoral Care here, Baobab College, Vice Principal as well. Basically, John and I work hand in hand together, um, academic and pastoral uh, for our students. I've been at Baobab for many years and had various roles and um, basically worked with many children of different ages. Basically, a lot of what we've been doing over the last few years, certainly in my role as head of primary school, I was dealing with a number of parents and students coming in and working together to try and sort out some of um, their, I would say, concerns that they have, not just in school, but it was overflowing to out of school and they needed some support. It started back in 2021, the discussions where we had to have equal weighting between academics and students' well-being, as well as supporting our community. So we opened up the what is known now um, as the web. We got people to think of a name, and it basically means well-being Baobab. And the web is actually located just next to the, the library, uh, which is in a very calm area. So my job is to run that centre and work with pastoral leads um, in the school and um, support our students' parents. We're here as a team and today we're here as a team and we work together. The idea is that we want to promote well-being amongst our students and parents and help and support and by inviting you here today is really so that we can connect together and post-COVID it is about connecting with one another. I don't know if that really answers your question, Chana, but... Um, <laughs> and um, I'm going to ask a question that I'm sure lots of people are asking. When I listen to the radio, there's programs about well-being, wellness, mental health. So I think as we start this conversation, let's just have some clarity on the definitions of well-being, wellness, mental health. Are they all feeding into each other? Is one bigger than the other? Um, is, should we be just using one thread or we can use all the words throughout our conversation and any conversation? But then again, listening to your backgrounds, you probably all use different, different words uh, a lot. So again, I'll just throw this back to you to maybe just give me a brief of how you see this from, a, from your perspective. And I need to, I want to go out there using the right word. Is there a right word? 
I have to say, I should really throw this back to you experts, but well-being at Baobab is really about quality of life, work-life balance. Uh, relationships is a, is a key, especially, um, as I say, post-COVID, building on relationships. And from our point of view, we refer our students to the wider community, the experts out there, the psychologists, the psychiatrists, um, etc. So our point is just the starting block, uh, the, the conversation, if that makes sense. But in terms of wellness and mental health, maybe somebody else would like to contribute towards that in our audience. Sure. Would anyone else like to add on to this about the definitions and maybe what you're using, what you're using more of, Ms. Suresh? I have like one question and I mean a statement maybe that I think that lately we are mixing the two words and meanings, well-being and well-behaving. And uh, especially in the classes and I think the teachers, because of the, the moments of the heavy content and syllabus uh, which need to be covered, they're happy that kids are well behaved in the class. So, and they're thinking like, oh, okay, she or he is quiet, it's whatsoever, everything is okay. And it's not. Because actually, the kids who are the quietest, sometimes having big problems. Just they are not able or they are scared, they're afraid to share. I mean, if I may uh, just add a very short story, I'm coming from Serbia. And um, last two weeks happened something which never happened in the history of my country, uh, the mass shooting in the school. And yeah, I don't know if some of you, yeah. So we are talking about a 13 years old boy, absolutely amazing student and academically strong, um, the first description, what everybody said about him, oh, but he was such a well-behaved boy. He was such a good boy. I mean, he was. I mean, what happened? And if you think like in like in America and in Europe, the first description when mass shootings are happening and there is like a sport in America, I was actually raising the thing that are we lately not mixing the two words and me, uh, meanings, well-being and well-behaving. So, yeah. I think it's an excellent, excellent observation, an excellent point. And at this, would you like to add something, Please do. Yeah, as you asked that, uh, what is the difference between mental health, wellness, and well-being? I think these both are related to each other. That encompasses person's overall health and quality of life. But typically, if we will see the words like well-being, encompasses the both things, physical well-being and psychological well-being as well. Like it's about the person, either he's content in life, he's comfortable, he's healthy. But when we talked about mental health, it's basically about our mental well-being. Like how we are doing psychologically and emotionally. It covers that areas. And wellness is like a holistic approach. It covers so many dimensions of our life. Like psychological side, emotional side, health side, and even the spiritual sides. It's like covering all of the areas of this. So these are all interrelated, I think. Thank you. I'd like to 
uh, go back to to the point about the behavior actually whilst whilst that's hot and um, we have some teachers in the back um, yes please my question I was actually going to pose a question to you but mm. you can uh, you can add on to this I was going to say does this sound does it sound familiar if that information about the Cuban Missile Crisis doesn't fit in with something about their actual internal world, it's, it's falling on dry ground, to use a sort of more gospel sort of metaphor. Um, so I think one of the keys to avoiding the sort of mass shooting sort of scenario and all the less traumatic versions of it is that as well as the curriculum, side by side and always is a knowledge and a relationship with the individual. Thank you. May add on this one. So, I mean, I'm ancient enough to know the difference in, <laughs> seriously, between this educational system and the system when I was going to the school. And God bless my mom and dad. They were sending me to school and they were like so happy and lucky because in the school environment, they knew. I will be growing academically. I'm serious and they are so heavily influenced and they come to school, not only to school, I mean at home and, 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 and I think that we, I can say generally we, I mean, uh, that we are raising the kids in this moment today uh, for, the, um, for the society which doesn't exist anymore. And um, and I think that is the crucial thing. And, and I, I was talking to <laughs> the lady here. Um, I'm talking to my daughter and, and, and I'm like thinking, what the heck am I doing wrong? I mean, what, uh, is nobody understanding me in this house? And then she's looking at me and she's like, what's wrong with this woman? I mean, what, what is she talking about? So, and that's what I'm saying, and the kids were heavily influenced by social media, and I think that is the, the elephant in the room in, 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 in this whole well-being story, that uh, those are the idols and role models, unfortunately, who our kids are looking up to. And, and, and I think that teachers, and it's so sad, I mean, I remember my teacher, I still remember her eyes colors and, and, and how she was talking and whatsoever, because my mom, even if she would say something, I would say, no, my teacher say like this and this, you don't know my teacher. This, I mean, today the kids, they're saying like, oh, hello, yes, like, I saw on TikTok, it's not that. To divert a little bit from your, what was your definition, we were talking about the definition, but I think this kind of intertwines in everything and what do we mean by, by well-being and I think the point, I think I agree with you that, you know, we, have, we are having so many challenges at the moment with our young kids today, um, what they are exposed to the, and the, one of the biggest things that we see today is the, the influence of, of social media on our children and the anxiety that that then brings to be able to fit in and look like the superstars that they refer to as superstars to them. These are now becoming, for a lot of kids, their role models. Um, and, you know, with that, we, we see issues around, um, you know, their health, their bodies. And when, you know, for me, when I think of um, well-being, I think it's a number of things put together. Um, like you were saying, I agree that, you know, it, it is 
it is health, it's, um, it's your medical, it's your social, it's your psychological. And how do we integrate, how do we um, fit into society and have this balance of everything? Um, and I think these are the challenges that I see with a lot of the kids today. Thank you. Dr. Mohammed. you had a, a contribution? Yes, I, I just wanted to say, well-being usually it's uh, how people they perceive uh, the, their status, social status, health status, how, whatever it is. And this is what is reflected in social media. So we think that Serena Gomez is the happiest uh, uh, person on earth. She might be, but this is how we are perceiving things. What I wanted to, to say, because um, there is, we, we, as medical uh, uh, sector, we, felt in, we fell into a trap for a century. Uh, we used to do sick care. And COVID-19 has literally disrupted everything. And it showed us the importance of doing health care. And that is from a physical health perspective. I think that social media, as much as it can be, uh, as much as it can have negative impact, it also can help us because it, because of social media today, we are talking about mental health. People were allowed to come out and talk anonymously, and this is how it started. So um, yes, we need cyber hygiene for sure, and this is something that we have to advocate for. But at the same time, what we have to do is to literally uh, make, make sure that we are not losing more time so that when we go into mental health, we don't do the sick mental health management. Because what we are doing now, unfortunately, in, in many uh, you know, mass shooting, but sometimes it's, it's, it can be just uh, be reflected as bu a bullying case. And then we bring in students and we start talking simply because we have seen those students as well-behaved students and we didn't notice anything. So probably what we need to do is to do a mental health care management rather than a mental sick care management. This is what I wanted to add. Thank you. Hi. Yes, I'd like to um, add to what the teacher said and the doctor said that health care is indeed um, such a nice description. I, I believe that physical health and mental health should be equal you know if we, we go to the to see someone if we have a cut you know either the school nurse or a hospital or a clinic but if we have a cut inside figuratively we should also go and see someone and then uh, the teacher said besides the curriculum we need to know what we work with individuals I almost want to say that should be first you know and we know how busy schools get and we know what we need to cover but children learn best when they feel great we, we, we know that more as we know more about brain development. So we almost need to um, prevent it. So in schools, work on emotional well-being, on working on that mental health, which feels great, and then they're ready for learning. It's a total mind shift for parents, for school boards, for teachers, for management, for whole communities. But if we would do that, imagine you could prevent so much. That was my part. Thank you. This takes me to um, the next point, which is really, we're not going to strategize right here. 
but it takes me to the point of how do we work with our parents? How do we combine our parents and the teachers? Us specifically, we have 676 students. How do we do this? How do we start to think about working with parents to manage this? Yeah, thank you for that. Actually, as the conversation was going on, I was wondering, I was actually saying, you know, it's more the, the people we're speaking, we're speaking on a professional part of it. So I was a parent and a layman. I was like, okay, so how do we come in? I think communication. I'll give an example of this school. Normally, we come into school when it's open day. We are coming to hear the report and all those things. Only when probably we, I know from some friends who've got uh, maybe a child has misbehaved, then they come in. So as Dr. Muhammad said, maybe we have to start early, speak to him, and if I uh, identify a problem, maybe come and speak to uh, the teachers here and just say, Look, he didn't wake up very well today. Please, can you observe him for me? So I think it starts from parents because um, as much as uh, students spend much time at school, they exhibit their behaviors more when they're at home and the parents know them. So yeah, it starts from the parents, I guess. Thank you for that. The only other thing we have to look at is the fact that the parent of yesterday, of today, is not the parent of yesterday. Our lives are equally as hectic. We have three phones, four jobs, working remote, working in an office, in traffic half the time, to add something. Um, so just to take a step back, um, children don't all know how to handle their emotions. Not every child is equipped with the tools and the skills to help navigate and regulate their emotions and understand what you're saying with the busyness of the schedule. We work eight to five, there's no real time to check in, but even on the way to school, you can just ask, oh, how are you feeling this morning or after school, just to check in and be able to have that conversation and work on the communication because a child won't always be able to verbalize, I feel sad, I feel angry and be able to that shift, whether they're sleeping too much, not sleeping enough, whether they're not eating enough, whether they're a bit moody or irritable, there are always these telltale signs and just being able to sit down with them and have a conversation and just sort of be their friend. No, I just wanted to say, will you have time if your son or daughter tell you that I have a stomach ache? Will you have time to ask a question, a follow-up question? Then when your son or daughter say that I don't want to go to, to school today, you can simply add a follow-up question. Is we, we can't blame it on our busy schedule. Uh, other, otherwise, we also need mental health uh, support, which is the case, honestly. We, we, we do need that. So um, if we recognize the stress that we are living, we, I think we must also give it to our children and just recognize that they also are under stress. Now, what stress? Why? This is what we have to dig into. Yes. Thank you. I'm thrilled and motivated that we've come to the end of part one of our well-being podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and see you on the other side for part two. <laughs>